thoughts, views, beliefs, and opinions expressed in this program are not necessarily those of our affiliate networks. The following program is for adult audiences only. You are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with authors and ghost hunters Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. She's alive. And welcome to another Friday night right here on the Label 13 YouTube station. This is the Shadow Initiative TV, Paranormal TV, with both uh, Steve, Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. So, hey, well, glad to have everybody back, and uh, welcome to the Initiative, Shadows. Steve, how you doing today, buddy? Same old, same old, man. I'm excited. I've been, been kind of uh, excited for this show for, for quite some time. Of course, I'm yeah. excited for every show. But but I, I'm always more excited when we have a guest because right. that you know you you talk less, so yeah. it's you, you know what I mean. It's a win win for me. <laughs> yeah, I figured as much. But yeah, you know we had a, we had a really great uh, a great guest on the show today, Shane Pittman from the Holzer Files. Um, it's always uh, you know a pleasure to uh, you know talk about Dr. Hans Holzer, mm-hmm. his um, influence on the paranormal field over the last you know fifty years or so. Um, is immense. Well, and, and Holzer has been a part of this show since day one. Just right. most people didn't know it until now. There it is, right this there. This book is in the frame. It used to be over here where you couldn't see it, um, but it has been there since day one. See, and I, I, I like to think that that enormous book serves two purposes. Stephen, not only does it educate you in uh, in the paranormal, but if you have to. You could kill somebody with that book. Absolutely. It's so big and so heavy. This is like the third time I've had this conversation in like two days. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> About the, the death magnet known as that book. No pun intended. Right. Yeah, it is a, it's a, it's a great book. I think that pretty much everybody in paranormal land probably owns that book or has owned that book yeah. at one time or another. Well, I see you dressed up for the occasion. Uh, to keep, I did to keep professionalism going here on Shadow Initiative. My, my an, another Joy Division T-shirt I'm wearing today. I, I'm collar shirting it. I'm collar shirting because I just wrapped. I just wrapped a Zoom interview okay. um, with E True Hollywood Story. Did you really? Yes. Wow. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? That's interesting. Um, I had the jacket on. I just took the jacket off because I thought that was a bit too professional for this mm-hmm. show and, and you know i, I we got to kind of keep it one button down you know what i'm saying okay. and come yeah. on i just want to add a little just in case just in case Whew. a little bit of x there yeah well this is for the ladies the dollar general's power stick this costs one dollar and smells just like axe my friend <laughs> who's the genius here this guy, uh, this guy. Definitely not you, but I, you know, we'll, we we will allow you to continue believing that. Thank you. I You're appreciate quite. you helping me out with this facade that I live. No, but seriously though, in, in all seriousness, what about uh, Access Hollywood? Uh, there'll be probably later today. Well, maybe, maybe later today, a preview for it. Actually, by the Can't time this it. show airs, it, it should be there. But okay, we'll see. That's all I can say because of signing things, you know. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. you got to sign those uh, non-disclosure agreements and other things that they want you to sign. And, you know, you got to shut your mouth. Otherwise, they're going to come and get you. Yeah, you know, it was, it was kind of uncomfortable because they were painting me as this, like, loud mouth, talks too much, makes fun of people all the time. You know. Oh, not you. They, uh, yeah, yes, I know. I was just as appalled. I, I you should be. So uh So you're doing a ghost watch following uh Mr. Pittman's interview. I am. I was just about to mention that, but I needed to wet the old whistle there a little bit. Yeah, we're gonna be uh going all the way across the pond as it were. I can't you know, sometimes I can't believe I actually say that because it's not one of my favorite phrases in the world. But we're gonna be traveling to the United Kingdom and we're gonna be taking a look at the extraordinarily haunted Stocks Stocksbridge 
bypass. Now, the Stocksbridge bypass has been mentioned in many books. It's been on a couple of television shows. And, um, you know, you you always expect that you're going to, when you go to a haunted location, it's going to be a house or it's going to be a building. No, this is miles and miles and miles of road where people um, experience some of uh, the most bizarre hauntings on the planet. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it, as always. I know you are. You know how I feel about your alone time. So, <laughs> you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. I may even drop two buttons for that. Oh, wow. What are you smell? Are you smelling my axe? Is that what was going on? Yes, I am smelling your axe from a thousand miles away. It's that strong. Okay, just checking. So, Rick... Uh, yes. You know what? I don't know what I'm doing. You know, guys at home, gals, shadows. Rick kind of threw me at the wolves like two hours ago. He's like, "Look, man, man we're gonna have Shane Pittman for 45 minutes." And yeah, you know what? He's 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 a busy guy. He's a busy look, guy. Don't I think put this right on him. Don't put this on him. Okay. Uh, so and then Rick's like, "So I'll just do a ghost watch, and uh, so you kind of figure out something to do." Fillers. Yeah, filler. Like I'm the B side of some kind of record, you know. <laughs> I ain't no wake me up before you go go, Rick. No, you I'm are more, not. I'm more You're of not. the fucking master of puppets. Okay. All right. I just want to clarify that. I, I just think it's funny that you bring up wake me up before you go go. Are you like uh, are you a closet wham fan or something? No. No. Okay. Not you're no. gonna have us all wondering. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. He's gonna throw that giant book at me when he sees <laughs> my. No, I can't damage my computer. I don't even. Think I, can, I don't even think I can lift this thing. Let's let's see here. Oh my god! Ah, oh, look at this, guys. Hundreds and hundreds of pages of paranormal goodness. What I like this this was Holzer's Black Album. Yeah. It really was. Excellent book. Excellent book. It, like Rick said, I think everybody who's anybody um, is well aware of this book. Uh, so back to reality. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. After Pittman leaves, I know I'm going to sit through Ghostwatch. Mm-hmm. Probably eat some more Bojangles. Actually, no. I have no. found a new addiction. Okay. They are artesian style, kettle cooked. Ooh, fancy. Habanero chips. Oh, that, that would actually be pretty tasty. These are now my go-to when when I'm when I'm bored. Mm-hmm. So like when I was talking to Terry the other day, ate almost a whole bag. But anyway, so yeah, I've got that going for me. Um, as far as what I'm gonna do this episode, I have no idea. Maybe Shane will bring something out of me. Maybe he'll say something during his interview that will just... And then, yes, that's what I'll do in a segment. Okay. Until then, I have no clue. Uh, now, I have, I, have, I, have a, I have a question. This, uh, this little uh, uh, puppet guy is sitting back behind you. He's, he's new. Oh, that is Lester. That's Lester. And... and I'm, you know what? He's happy too that you brought him up. He is Lester the Ventriloquism doll. Now, okay. I'm no ventriloquist. I can't even try, you know, mm-hmm. because it just doesn't work for me. But his little right. mouth moves, you know, and all that stuff. He is like uh, from the 60s. Very, okay. very old ventriloquism doll. I picked up at a flea market for $5. That's why they call me the $5 bandit because I score all these things for like five bucks. Mm-hmm. And this dude is worth like five or six hundred dollars. Wow. Haunted? No, not at all. Oh. You know, you know, but maybe maybe we should talk about that a little bit later on. You know, haunted objects because that really does seem to be a really popular thing these days. And I get a lot, lot of questions, and anytime I ever ask them, I usually get told that you know I'm um um not being down with paranormal unity. Apparently you have to believe in haunted dolls in order to be a part of paranormal unity. We should talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's almost as if I should create a segment called Haunted Salvage that covers haunted objects. Yeah, you should. That's a great idea, Rick. (laughs) 
No, but you know, it's it's it, it's a it's it's a bigger issue because I have I ask people, it's like, okay, you buy this doll or this haunted object or whatever on eBay. Mm-hmm. How do you know it's really haunted? Does it come with you know uh, something that sign that says that's you know been investigated by some you know paranormal researcher or investigator? How do you know this thing is haunted? Because the way I see it is, you don't know. And you're kind of just throwing your money away, pissing it away, if you will. That, and you know they want it to be haunted so bad mm-hmm. that when they get it, all of a sudden things start happening in their house. That was probably right. already happening, just normal things. It's just now they're, oh, it's the, it's because I brought this doll in the house. Yeah. You know, so we can talk about that. That'll be a good segment to wake people up after Ghost Watch. We'll, we'll talk about some, some haunted objects, you know. I'll look around the room, you know, because a lot of these are allegedly haunted. Maybe we'll just randomly pick one and, and roll with it or something. Sounds good. So, we've got Shane Pittman, Holster Files, and a whole lot more. He's more than just that. Indeed he is. So... With that, we're going to take a break, and everybody stick around. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to uh, Shane Pittman of the Holzer Files and and, uh, the Fusion Paranormal team. Yeah, guys. Hang out. (laughs) We'll be right back. No, yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) Nothing. I'm sorry about that. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? Check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. Paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeist, Ghosts, and Demons. Bullets, Booze, and Babes, the Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois. And behold, shocking true tales of terror and some other spooky stuff. But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you true case files of a paranormal investigator and dark spirits, a man terrorized by the supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls. Check out my paranormal bestsellers, Norman, the doll that needed to be locked away, and Norman 2, the true story of a possessed doll's revenge, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever fine books are sold. Um, and welcome back to the Shadow Initiative TV with Stephen Lancaster and myself, Rick Hale. Today joining us is going to be Shane Pittman from the Holzer Files. Hey, Shane, thank you so much for joining us here at the Shadow Initiative TV. Hey, guys. How are you all doing? Thanks for having me. Good. We Thanks for well. coming on. Thank you. So, Shane, right now you are probably one of the um, hottest commodities on paranormal TV, being on such a popular television show as The Holzer Files, which I've never actually seen myself, but I have watched bits and pieces. We stream all of our television, so we don't have, like, cable television. So, But I have watched bits and pieces of it. Now, I, you know, I think that one of the things that we always like to ask people um, when they come on the show is their uh, their origin story. And you sent in your bio said that you had some um, real profound paranormal um, episodes going back to your childhood. You know, can you tell our listeners and viewers about that? Yeah. So the very first experience I had was when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually like a vision type thing, and I won't go into it because it's kind of in depth. But the reason why I know there there's something to that is because I I remember every bit and piece of that vision that I had. Now when I told my mom told my mom about it told my mom about it and um from there she was like, okay, there's some validity to it. So it started there and then whenever I got a little bit older there was mm-hmm. some other experiences that I had um that I couldn't explain. I remember one I tell all the time when I was twelve years old, I went to a buddy's house and he's like, Hey, I've got this spirit board here do you want to check it out and you know i grew up in a really religious uh household so i was told all of that was demonic don't touch it it's it's not something you should be messing with so what did i do i played with it anyway (laughs) because i was rebellious 
know? Being a teenager, you want to be as rebellious yeah, as possible. Yeah, so, right. So I said, let's go ahead. Let's do it. And um, so we messed with the Ouija board and nothing happened at all. Mm-hmm. So, so the next day I go and I'm in my room and my closet doors open. And it's one of those doors where, you know, we had the carpet that I was higher up. My closet door was open. I was in my room probably about five minutes and the door slams. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a sibling of mine playing a joke on me. I go over to the closet, look inside, nobody's there. I didn't really think anything of it, but for whatever stupid reason, I didn't close the door back, so I left it open again. And get back in my bed, and about, um, I don't know, maybe five or ten more minutes go by, slams again. This time, it freaked me out. I went to my parents' room across the hall and told them, and they thought that, I was uh, just trying to stay up and called it shenanigans. I was just playing shenanigans, whatever. And yeah. uh, they said, go back to bed. For whatever dumb reason, left the door closet door open again. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. Apparently, I wasn't thinking. And it slams again. This time, they run in there. They pray over me, do all this stuff, and... I uh, so and when I could comprehend it more, I started reading books, Hans Holzer's books, um, just any books I could get my hands on on the subject. Tried to study up and, and try to figure out what was going on in my life. Sure. Once I found out that there was technology and stuff that could test some of the things what that was going on in my life personally, I was hooked at that point. And from there, that was that was all she wrote, and here I am today. Yeah, you, uh, you, you, you bring up the tech aspect of uh, the paranormal. Um, you guys work with a psychic medium. Um, there's always been a lot of question whether or not the two should ever mix. Um, do you think that the two should mix and that they work well together? Um, I'll be honest. In the very beginning, I was really apprehensive about it because of my upbringing, right? So I... Uh, anybody that tries to communicate with the dead is is bad, so to speak. Sure. So I was I was apprehensive about it, but I do think now that I know about the Holzer method, which is Hans Holzer, he came up with that method, and basically what it was is he would go into a location and take a trusted transmedium with him, and would jot down notes on a notepad and had his audio recorder, and that was it. You know, it was bare bones investigating. Didn't really care about the technology aspect. Hated technology. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that he saw at the time, he was like, oh, it's rubbish. All you need is a good transmedium, and that's it. Um, so once I saw how the Holzer method worked, and I would, we would put that into action, that's when I was a believer. It's been almost 30, it'd be 30 years, well, no, it's 30 years this summer that I've been investigating hauntings, and I gotta be honest with you, I've met maybe three or four people that I can say do have a legitimate gift, but I've met dozens who yeah. are either well-meaning, they're scammers, or they're just straight-up predators trying to prey on people. Yeah. You know, yeah. Stephen, you know, what 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 are your thoughts concerning um, you know psychic mediums? Do they have a place in what we do, or is it something that should be done separately? Hey, You're muted. muted. Steve. You're muted. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you now. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt. They have a place in the field because I agree. Their their attributes are paranormal to begin with, um, and I, and I like the way Shane talked about how to utilize them in your research, because I, I've never had a good experience. Of course, I've never worked with that many of them, but but the few that I have, they were charlatans, hands down. They were charlatans, right. and it, Google was their best friend. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's a place in the field. That leads me to a question, though, for Shane, because, Rick, as you know, I'm, I'm a big uh, production guy. I like yes. filming and using all different kinds of cameras and this, that. 
you have two sides of investigating, Shane. You have uh, investigating without the TV. And then you have investigating for TV. Do you find that the production of being on a television show is a hindrance to what you're doing? Or do you think it's opened up doors that actually helps you with what you're doing? Because I've never been on your side of it. So I'm just kind of thinking if I had camera guys following me around, it, it would drive me nuts. You know, but I mean, what's what's your opinion on that? Is it better, worse, or is it about the same or or what? Well, I think it I think it opens doors. Uh, the reason why I say that is because we've been really blessed with our production company. They kind of they let us be us, which is rare. I mean, mm-hmm. especially especially in the TV realm, it's rare mm-hmm. for them to say, you know what, we'll trust what y'all are saying for the most part, uh, unless it hinders with time restraints and stuff like that. You guys go and do you tell us what y'all need and we'll make it happen. So we've been really blessed in that regard with Painless uh, Productions. They've been saying, hey, go and do your thing, investigate. Because uh, me and Dave, especially when we talk um, to the production company, we were we were saying, look, we know this is a show for entertainment and stuff like that. But um, we do this off camera, too. So we want, uh, you know, we want to be as genuine as possible. Um, we want this legit. We don't want any any um, shenanigans going on. Right. Uh, use my parents' words. I love there. that word. And, and and they were like, you know what? We respect that, and we want y'all to be you. So once they said that, that's when I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I wanted to be a part of the project. Um, so with the extra cameras and stuff around, they give us our space to do our thing. It's not like they're saying all the time, hey, go here, here, and mm-hmm. here. You got to do this, this, and this. Uh, they basically... They're there, but they're not there. They're, they're quiet. They let us do our stuff, and and um, you know, luckily I have uh, I have production assistants and stuff that help me along whenever I'm setting everything up with the investigation. That's a big help mm-hmm. because uh, especially we have a Queen Mary case that's coming up soon that we had unfettered access to. Nobody was there. That's the first time ever that that's happened to where nobody was staying there because it's a hotel type thing too. So running cable at a ship that big is insane. If I didn't have help, it would have been a disaster. So um, I I think it's a, I think it's a blessing to, to work in this capacity with them. You know, Shane, right now you're involved with the Holzer Files, which is a uh, which is a very popular television show. People really seem to love it. Um, people, of course, love that it has the name Hans Holzer attached. How did that come about? Um, how were, how were you chosen to be a part of that show? Well, man, it was interesting. Like it, for people who don't know, I've known Alexandra Holzer, Hans Holzer's daughter, mm-hmm. uh, way before the show. Uh, in fact, we did a hunt with Holzer event with her. I believe it was seven or eight years ago. I helped um, orchestrate that a little bit. So I've known of her for a long time because I reached out to her regarding the Holzer method, which I heard about um, through Hans Holzer's writings. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her and we kind of built that relationship from there. But as far as with the show, I submitted all of my information, didn't even know what the show was about, and I forgot about it. It, it was, you know, whatever. Um I didn't have much time to forget about it <laughs> for ab- about 30 to 45 minutes later, I get a phone call from the production company, uh, the casting director and was like, Hey, um, are you available to do a Skype? And I said, yeah. And she kind of started doing the rundown of what the show was about. And, um, she, she said, uh, well, it's about a famous parapsychologist and reopening his case files. And she said about 50 or 60 years ago. And that's when I told her, I said, hold up, can I guess? And she was like, sure, you can guess. We can't really say much. And I said, is it something to do with Hans Holzer? And she was shocked. She was like, how did you guess that? Did you, what, what's going on? I was like, well, I've done some studying of his way before all of this. And she was yeah. like, man, that's, that's wild that you would even know, know about that. And then from there, um, had little uh, reads with uh, Dave because I knew Dave 
before this. I knew Cindy before this, but never worked with them actively on an investigation or anything like that. Right. So uh, they kind of put us in front of the screen together and, and just saw how we interacted with each other, see how we would mesh well. Um, and that was pretty much it. It was so quick, man. It was so quick. Like, like I said, 30 to 40 minutes, I get a phone call. Um, the next day I'm doing a Skype call. Two weeks later, they're flying me to LA. And then a month after that, we're filming. It was that quick. That yeah. quick. Now, that did, is, did this have anything to do with Fate Magazine? Fate Magazine? Yeah. Okay, okay. No. The only reason I'm asking is because a year or so ago, maybe longer, I think maybe two years ago, I got hit up by a producer, and she wouldn't tell me anything, but it was a lot like you were saying. They wanted to take old case files, and yeah. they wouldn't tell me from who, and and revisit them. But they said it was going to be produced by Fate Magazine, you know, that old magazine that did all the paranormal stuff. And obviously, I failed the Skype meeting, but uh, I just... <laughs> nah, wanted, I don't. Because I'm here with no. Rick. What? This is what yeah. <laughs> That is no, just it, hell. You, you know, I, th I think that uh, there was other shows that were being shopped um, that might have been a little bit similar, maybe. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, but I haven't heard of the Fate magazine. Um, but, yeah, it was it was so quick. Like, from the beginning phone call to filming the first season was so quick. But, I, I don't know, it was almost like Fate, really, mm -hmm. because when we all got together, how we meshed well together and just got along as a team, you know, there's a lot of shows out there behind mm -hmm. the scenes. Um, the, the, the people don't get along with each other. That's, That's like not that with me, Rick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm sticking uh, needles into voodoo dolls when he's no, not. That, that's why he's twitching a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it, it, we get along with each other. Me and Dave are like brothers. Honestly, I mean, we're always talking to each other um, off season and we just got really close. Unfortunately, me and Cindy and even me, Dave and Cindy, we didn't really get too close with Cindy as much because while we were on the road, when we say that we kept Cindy as like an outcast, we're telling the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would go to our, our hotel and stuff. She'd be either in a different one or she'd be, we, we wouldn't talk to her until the baseline investigation um, to guard the uh, integrity of the case file. And that's just how it was. So in that process, me and Dave got to spend a lot more time with each other and built a strong friendship based off of that. Now, sure. does, does your production crew have like a, a flatbed truck to haul that book around? My God, you could you you could throw that at somebody and kill them. We Seriously. joke about it all the time. Yeah. I mean, this yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, the 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 amount of material, the amount of case files that Hans really has. I don't think people realize. I mean, it's upwards in the thousands. Mm -hmm. Oh, seriously, yeah. it, it is unreal. I mean, in the UK, he did hundreds of cases. And then all over the United States. I mean, there is so much material to go off of. Um, if we're blessed with future seasons, uh, I think we will we'll be around for a long time. Yeah, you know the the, uh, the the bits and pieces that I've seen of it are great. But here's here, there's a, there's a bigger issue when it comes to paranormal television. Um, obviously, I'm not like you two gentlemen. Uh, I w I have been approached before, but when I said that I don't do demons, I somehow they just you know, he disappeared. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. how do you answer your detractors or the detractors of paranormal television when they say, you know, everything on paranormal TV, it's all fake. It's all phony. There, there's, there's no scares. And now I think the three of us know that this is basically, um, not a scare minute and that it can be quite boring. Um, how do you answer those, those detractors who say that to you? Well, you know, I think with the whole uh, field that we're in and a lot of the teams that have been 
cultivated because of the field and everything. Mm-hmm. I can see how that's the case. Now, of course, television, it's got to be entertaining, right? So they're going to show you all of the jump scare moments that you have that sure. are legitimate as in our case, you know, um, is, is everything legitimate out there? I can't say that for sure. Um, I can see why some people are skeptical at mm-hmm. times. Um, but how I answer them is we film for hours and hours and hours, and they're going to show you 42 minutes of what we film. So at the same time, whenever you're filming a show, it's got to be entertaining to the audience because you got to keep them engaged in what they do. Can I tell you that it's genuine in our case? Yes. Can I see how other people feel certain ways about other television shows? I can see that as well. Um, I would say in those, like the jump scare scenarios, like when people are like, oh, they're running out of a place, which I've done a couple of times and I'm not proud of it. That like, this is the thing, like you guys, you know, a lot of people think, oh, he's running out as for shock value. I do not want to look like a pansy guys. I really <laughs> don't. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, a, not a highlight of my career. Sure. But, but when I tell you, cause when I tell you that a run, it is legitimate. It, there's sometimes that I'm in these locations for hours at a time. You guys are seeing two minutes of that mm-hmm. for television. But whenever I say they allow us to investigate, allow us a night of investigation, I mean that. So we're in those spots sometimes for hours at a time. Sometimes yeah. could it be your eyes playing tricks on you? It might be. But if you see a shadow running across the room or something and you're hearing footsteps, you're not going to be like, oh, well, I'm going to be tough and stoic. No, you can say you will. And there may be times there may be some people that are better than me. But in those situations, when I'm there and I'm already tired and exhausted and it's two or three o'clock in the morning and I see something dark by me. I'm going to get out of the way because <laughs> that's my first instinct. Do I go back and finish what I what I started? Yes. But yeah. I do. I do get jumped. I'm, I'm skittish anyway. I'm, I'm jumpy at times. Like mm-hmm. when the door opened earlier, I'm like, what is that? You know, <laughs> get out of here, you know, but uh, that's just how I am. I'm, uh, but I can see just like with anything, you're going to have the naysayers. Sure. Um, I know that uh, the people that I've talked to in, in this <clears throat> realm of television, the ones that I've seen from what I've seen, um, they genuinely believe in what they're doing. That's all I can say. I'm not going to um, poo-poo another show or anything like that because I, I'm not there and I don't know what goes on beyond, behind the scenes. Do I, do, I, I do know whenever I talk to them that I feel that they really genuinely care about what they're doing. And that's all I can go off of. I, I don't know if that's a good enough answer or not. Um, but I, I could tell you, I can see why some people are skeptical because you have a lot of these shows like on YouTube and on Facebook of all these teams, you know, sure. and some of them, some of them are less experienced than others. So you're going to have those type of scenarios where you're seeing things not done necessarily the way you would like them to be done. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to see the pros out there and you're going to see both sides of the coin. But unfortunately, there's a lot more of the amateurs and unexperienced that people are seeing on the social media side of things. Thrill seekers. That, yeah, that kind of that kind of gives a first impression to people that you know, maybe are just now checking out the paranormal field that are that's when they say they get a bad taste in their mouth like, "Oh, this is a joke. This is crazy." Because mm-hmm. they're seeing they're seeing the thrill seekers versus the ones that are really wanting to push the field forward, you know. Well, I, t- I tell I tell people who are new to this um, whenever they ask me, and I, and I get it every once in a while. You know, hey Rick, I want to be I want to go out there and I want to hunt ghosts. Um, what do I have to know? What do I have to learn? And it's like, forget everything you see on television, because that is not going to be what it is. So I think with that being said, what we're going to do is is we're going to take a uh, another break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Shane Pittman uh, for a little bit longer. Shane, when we come back, I want you to tell us what your favorite case. Uh, of Hans Holzer's uh, one, one, one that you really love and is really uh, dear to your heart so when we come back 
We're going to be talking with Shane Pittman. He's going to be telling us about his favorite uh, Hans Holzer case. And, uh, you know, hey, everybody just stick around. we gotta, we got still some show left to show you. Do you have proof of the paranormal? Want to see your story and evidence showcased on our show? Email shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com with questions, comments, your paranormal stories, evidence of the paranormal, or just anything you'd like to see on our show. Your story and evidence may appear on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. Alright, welcome back guys to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV with Rick Hale, Stephen Lancaster. We are sitting here today with Shane Pittman, the man, the legend himself. And he's going to tell us what, Rick, what, what are we, we're picking his brain, your, your most, your, your favorite Holzer case that you okay, worked, so, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I brought it up earlier, but I have to say it, man, because it's the Oceanborn Mary case. Um, of season one that's one of my favorites and the reason why is because there were so many twists and turns to that case what mm-hmm. we initially went in believing was completely turned turned around and <laughs> there was so much digging so much research that we had to do behind the scenes that you don't get to see on the episode that was my favorite part I love history I love the historical background of these cases, and I love to actually do the research because in doing the research, I know which, what experiments I can do to test certain theories, which is what I do on the show. And the more research I get to do, the more ideas that come about from that research. So sure. I would have to say Oceanborn Mary by far is one of my favorites to this day. And that was in season one. Well, could you give us a little bit of background on, on the original case of Dr. Holzer's and you know, what, what, why it's so significant? Yeah. Cause there's so, a lot there. Oh, so much there. So in the original case file, uh, Hans had that it was a certain house and he had in his notes that he believed that the owners after a while was, was, attempting to make a business out of out of the folklore the story of oceanborn mary so in his case file he would have a lot of information about uh inconclusive you know and he would tell uh, it, it was amazing because you know behind the scenes you you see the stuff he was telling okay i'm not sure about this story this doesn't add up with who i was talking to with the with the historian at the time this isn't adding up. There was a lot of inconclusive um, data in his original file. So even in the beginning, 50 years ago, he wasn't sure that all of the storyline was adding up. Mm-hmm. So we go into that and we're like, okay, well, how, you know, this is going to be a perplexing one because is there stuff, because people were at the time were saying, okay, there's stuff going on. So we go into the case and the more we dig and the more we talk to the historian at the time, they're like, well, look, the actual Oceanborn Mary house is not this house at all. Not, mm. not at all. The, the actual house is in Rhode Island. So what do we do? Like literally the next day, um, we're like, okay, we, we got to go to this house. So we tell the production company, look, is this possible? Can we make this happen? And they're like, yeah, it's going to be difficult because it's about three, four hours away, but we can do it. Mm -hmm. So we picked up everything, crew, cast, everybody, and had to travel the next day to this house. And at the same time, we had to orchestrate it with the owner of the house because once we found out, we we got the information from her. We had to make sure that they were available um, for us to come there, and they agreed that we can actually – you know, potentially investigate this place. So there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff with that. Then we go and we find out that the house was relocated. There was a original house. There was a house that was relocated four hours away. That was the actual Oceanborn Mary house that there was things going on in that house. Um, that the owner was having dealt with, uh, for years. 
And the more we talked to her, the more all the pieces were adding together. And that's pretty much it. But without going way into it, that's pretty much it. Like it started from, okay, this is the house to no, this isn't the house at all. <laughs> you got to travel four hours away. It's in Rhode Island. And that was it. I mean, it was just mind blowing. There's so much, so much case material that it would take us probably three, four hours to talk about it all. Cause there's so many twists and turns along the way. Sure. Um, you know, but, but the, the original haunting, who, who is that, who allegedly haunts the house? Well, they were saying Oceanborn Mary. They okay. They were saying that Mary did. Um, but again, Hans Holzer and his father was like, okay, yeah, this is what they're saying. But in his notes that was added to the file, he was like, okay, some of this is inconclusive. I'm not exactly sure. Um, mm -hmm. So whenever he would write some of the stuff in his books, he would write what the, what the folklore was, what the story of it was, and wouldn't really go too much into it. Um, so some were saying it was Oceanborn Mary. Some were saying it was somebody else. It was just a big convoluted case. Sure. Yeah, I, you know, I, I find that uh, that happens quite a bit. But then again, you know, in the paranormal field, especially if you're a writer, um, like, you know, mm -hmm. Stephen and myself, you know, being authors yeah. and writers, I'd have to say that 90% of what we do is just telling a story. And that's yeah. definitely an important part of, uh, of the paranormal field community, of, you know, paranormal land, whatever you want to call it, is uh, mm -hmm. keeping those stories alive and seeing if there's any truth to those stories. Would right. you agree, Stephen? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, <laughs> sorry about that. I got a little bit of a sore throat today. It's my out. My allergies are starting to act up on me. So, uh, you oh, know, man. Shane. Now we've come. Yeah, I know. It's it's early this year. Um, so, but that's how it is here in Chicago. It's like you know, one day you wake up and there's uh, ten inches of snow on the ground. The next day you wake up, it's your full on spring. And then, well, then of course, you're also back to winter. <laughs> Well, I'm in Georgia, and we don't have a winter. It gets a little bit cold, and then it's really hot, and that's it. So we right. we have maybe two seasons, if that. Yeah, so. yeah, we have that, too. It's called uh, road construction and non-road construction. So, uh, you know, Shane, we've come to that part in our show where we uh, like to what we call uh, shameless self-promotion. Uh, where can people find you? Um, you you have the a few minutes here to tell the entire world about Shane Pittman, where they can find you, and what you got going on. Cool. Well, I'm really boring. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> so Stephen is. Oh, okay. Man, y'all like I said, y'all pick on each other way too much. Way too. <laughs> way you too bust much. each other's balls. Yeah. Uh, hey, you got to sometimes. You got to. But uh, officialshanepittman.com, you can go there and you can find out all the latest news about the Holzer Files and what I'm doing. Uh, I got some merch there, too, if you want to go and check some stuff out. Um, just throw stuff on, on the site whenever I can um, for people to enjoy. Also, I'm doing the side project um, with a group called The Searchers. And it's basically me and two other guys, uh, buddies of mine that I've been friends with for a long time and kind of showing people the grassroots of um, how I've gotten to the field and how I investigate whenever I'm not uh, doing the Holzer files. And uh, so we go and travel and, and test different theories. And it's it's more of a, um, a big experiment. Like, uh, is it the people... Uh, having subjective experiences that mm -hmm. is what we call a haunting or is it more than that uh trying to dig more into oh there's a spirit and a ghost uh, you know it's trying to dig into what all of these strange phenomenon and and the paranormal is all about um trying to go outside of the realm of just spirits and ghosts because i think there's a lot more to to our field um yeah, we just scratched the surface, and I don't just want to delve into the spirits and ghosts aspect. I want to I want to go a step further. And is there a uh, correlation between the human mind and paranormal experiences? So, 
we go and do that. That's what we're doing right now. Searchers, you can find us on Facebook. Um, we're going to be investigating two different spots in the next couple of months or so. Uh, okay. One in Kentucky and the other one in Tennessee. And uh, we're going to try to take everybody along for the journey and, and post some clips, maybe do some live streams, stuff like that, just to show people uh, the different experiments that we do and, and try. Something a little different that you're not used to seeing, maybe. Uh, not just, you know, us going saying, oh, do you hear that? Uh, you hear those footsteps. It's right. kind of going and testing people's uh, perceptions of things, that they're saying that they had an experience in a location, um, trying to take different pieces of equipment to test those theories in real time and, and try to get the recreation of that again and maybe pick up some evidence along the way. That sounds exciting. I can't wait to see that. Um, you know, again, Shane, thank you so much for joining us here at the Shadow Initiative. Uh, it was a great pleasure talking to you, and I hope, you know, someday we can have you back. Well, I appreciate you guys very much. And, Rick, you know, I've known you for a long time, man. You've always been gracious mm -hmm. and, and always um, thank you. been a supporter, and I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Thank you very much, Shane. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think I think too, it's Steven. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you, right. Steven. I do. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Shane. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one, buddy. All right. You Have too. Have a good one. Every week, one out of four people miss the live broadcast of our show. But all is not lost. You can watch us and Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV on demand for free at youtube.com slash label13videos or facebook.com slash monstervisiontv. Never miss a show and watch when you want to watch. That's youtube.com slash label13videos or facebook.com slash monstervisiontv. Welcome back, guys. You just watched a just completely fantastic interview with Shane Pittman, and I'm still trying to, to shrug it off, man. Rick, it was a great interview. Uh, it really was. Yes, and uh, you guys at home, check him out. Check out his website. Uh, you can you see the link right here. It's in the comments. It's obviously on the screen. Um, he is a great stand-up guy. We learned a lot from him today. And uh, thank you, Shane, for being on the show. Um, Shane. Rick, as he alluded to or flat out said uh, at the beginning of the show that we should have some kind of segment about haunted objects. Because we've never done anything like that before. Anyway, so... Well, no, it's like I, I wanted I wanted to get really, really specific because at the top of the show, we were talking about Lester, your ventriloquist doll behind you, correct? Correct. Now, that seems to be a really popular um, hobby in paranormal land right now. People, you know, going through eBay and, and other places and they're like, they're, they're buying these haunted dolls. Correct. And um, look, I, I have no doubt that there are objects that are haunted. I, I myself did an investigation back in the mid-90s with a family that brought in a butter churn into their home in Lindenhurst, Illinois, and started seeing the ghost of a woman in their house. And this was a brand new house in a brand new subdivision, and uh, there was no reason in the world that they sh that that it, th this ghost should be in their house. Yeah. Well, I, I have to subscribe to haunted objects. Do I think they're as abundant... As it's claimed, absolutely not. No. Um, it, it's become such a novelty, such a scam. Um, you know, people trying to make money off of stuff. But I've had my experiences, uh, most infamously with Norman, the haunted doll. Um, that, And honestly, that was the first time I actually really subscribed to the idea. Because mm -hmm. up until then, I had no experience... Uh, um, I witnessed nothing that would make me believe that an object could be haunted um, right. until that doll came along. 
Uh, now, my room, like we've talked about on previous shows, is full of allegedly haunted objects. Some I purchased myself. Others were given to me by clients. They believed that was what caused the activity in their home. And it made them comfortable and feel better giving it to me so it was gone. And that's all yeah. I can ask for. Um, can I say any of them are really haunted? Uh, there's maybe two or three in here that, that yeah, and, and we'll cover those on a show one day when we've got time to actually really cover them. Um, but, yeah, as far as... Uh, it, it's kind of like the demon thing on television. Everything's a demon. Uh, it's just yeah. everything's haunted. It's haunted this, haunted that, you know. Um, but, you know, what? Let, let, let me ask you this. It's like the legality of it. If you buy something on eBay and you bring it into your home and it winds up not having any kind of spiritual presence in it, do you think that the person that sold it should be held responsible, maybe even charged with, with fraud? Well, there, there's two ways to tackle that there, and you kind of just said them both. Mm -hmm. Fraud, for sure. You know, false advertising used to be such a big thing. You yeah. know, you could get in a lot of trouble if you advertise something. You know, Pepsi, the big Pepsi lawsuit comes to mind when they were doing the Pepsi points. And they advertised that, like, like Harrier Jet landing. Mm -hmm. And it said yeah, some I remember that well. crazy number, like 200 billion Pepsi points mm -hmm. in the commercial. Well, obviously they were joking. Well, some guy took it literally. And mm -hmm. he got 200 billion Pepsi points, or however many it was, and wanted his Harrier jet. And because they, they, Pepsi tried saying it was a joke, he took them to court for false advertising. He won, and they had mm -hmm. to give him, they had to award him, the judge awarded him what was equivalent to the price of that jet. Oh, man. You know what? I, I, I vaguely, vaguely remember this. So, so what, 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 what did they give him? I... What it, is, millions uh, what and, is it? it was millions and millions and millions of dollars. You know, they, the, the the construction costs or whatever you want to call it to build one of them things or make one of them jets. They had to get right. it. That's how they determined the, the price. Um, so, But, yeah, so you've got these people marketing haunted objects. You pay a lot of money for it. You get it. Turns out it's not haunted. Mm -hmm. Do you have rights? I believe you do. You, you, should, you, should have, you should have the warning. If it is for entertainment purposes only... You should have that. But if you truly believe that it's haunted, there should also be the responsibility of a warning. And, and I know that firsthand. As you know, Rick, and as many many other people know, I've written two books on the subject. Now, this, yeah. this first book, uh, Nor well, this first book, Norman, um, there's a chapter in there where I talk about when we first tried to get rid of the doll. Mm -hmm. We decided to sell him, and we put him up on popular auction sites and stuff like eBay and Etsy, and um, long story short, sold him three times. Now, all I asked for was the cost of what a vintage Maddie the doll would go for. There was no okay. inflation because I knew it was haunted, but I did put a disclaimer. I put links to videos of me testing this doll, links to what this doll has done, video footage, surveillance footage, and a warning that I am not responsible when you receive this doll for shit hitting the fan. Okay, so I covered myself legally across the board. Right. But each and every time somebody bought that doll and it was sent from the post office, it came back, which was just another piece of strange phenomena to the whole Norman story. We just couldn't get rid of him. Right. It just kept coming back. But, yeah, I have firsthand experience with, with trying to sell a haunted object, which was legitimately haunted, and putting that warning on there, that disclaimer, um, just covered my butt because it, I'm not your average Joe putting something up for sale. Right. You know, no, I have you, a reputation are... and, and all this stuff, and people could use that against me. Yeah, You know, this guy knew it would do this, he knew it would do that, and sold it to us anyway and didn't say nothing. You know, so I said everything. You know. Go ahead, Rick. My books aren't straight no more. I need to straighten them. Right. I was just going to say, you know, another really famous um, 
uh, object that has been making the rounds now for a few years is the uh, so-called Dibbit box. Yes. Now, yeah, from what I understand, you know, finally, my God, somebody who is a responsible paranormal investigator and researcher owns this thing. Zach Bagans. From <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, from what I understand that he bought this, but, you know, I've, I've talked to people who have owned the uh, Dybbuk box, um, and the, these are people who are, um, they're responsible. Some of them had nothing to do with the paranormal world, uh, but they came into possession of this, of this, uh, of this wine box, mm-hmm. and it just turned their lives upside down, made everything terrible. Um, or even last week with uh, with last week's Ghost Watch, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, those bricks have actually, are believed to be cursed and haunted. Mm-hmm. People have experienced things like deaths, financial ruin, even uh, aggressive hauntings in their own homes concerning this stuff. So it's like, yes, there is kind of a, a trendiness involved with this in paranormal land. But there also appears to be things that are really haunted and really do cause some serious problems in people's lives. Well, I do have a legitimate Dybbuk box. Um, it was actually given to me. It came from Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one guy owned it. And I'll, before I talk about him in the future, I'll get permission to see if he wants to his name put out there and stuff like that. But he drove five five and a half hours to bring me this box. He had had it for the longest time, and he gave it to me. Just gave it to me. And there's a really rich and tragic story to the box. I have it here to my right. It used to sit back here. Um, Anyways, uh, we'll we'll do that on a show where I tell the entire story and show this Dibby box, because I've kind of been planning this, to where we'll have it on the screen, and we'll do some tests. Some some EMF tests and temperature tests on this box, you know, live on the show, so people mm-hmm. can see what that there is an energy around this box. It's yeah. it's in my list of my three here that I believe to truly have something. Um, yeah. But with that being you know, said, go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and I, and I think one of the uh, one of the strangest things I've ever seen that was supposed, supposedly haunted on the internet was a uh, old prosthetic leg. Wow. And you know, somebody was trying to get rid of this. And, you know, a lot of our listeners already know, but I myself am an amputee. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the uh, lower left-hand side of my left leg. I walk with a uh, prosthetic. And um, the first time I came across this, I showed it to my wife, and I'm like, look, it's a lefty. We need to get this. And she's like, it's a haunted object, isn't it? And I said, yes, it is. <laughs> awesome. Well, with- So here's the, here's the thing. I, when, when I die... I'm haunting my prosthetic leg. That's all there is to it. Interesting. Of all things. Anyway, so uh, with that being said, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with Rick Hale's Ghost Watch. Really cool one in the works, so stick around. Hey, my friends, check out my good friend Chris Beck and his work at All Around Art. From lifelike paintings to detailed sketches to phenomenal tattoo artistry, if you can dream it, Chris can bring it to life on canvas or your skin. His art has been showcased in published works such as the paranormal best-selling book Norman 2, The True Story of a Possessed Doll's Revenge. Visit him online at facebook.com slash allaround.art. Rick, <laughs> I got my Ghost Watch shirt ready. <laughs> when a person thinks of a haunted place, their mind may think of an old rundown house that just looks like it should be haunted. Or perhaps they think of an ancient cemetery with unreadable moss-covered tombstones protecting the mortal remains of the dearly departed. One would hardly think that miles upon miles of a modern highway would be haunted by the troubled souls of the dead. Stocksbridge Bypass is one such road, and if the stories of this much-traveled road is true, it could very well be the most haunted road in Britain. 
Linking Sheffield to Manchester, construction began on Stocksbridge Bypass in 1987. Almost immediately after construction began, workers complained of eerie sights and strange sounds that seemed to defy rational thought. Workers reported hearing the giggling voices of children singing and seeing them playing in a field where no child should be. On a number of occasions, work had to be halt, halted when equipment inexplicably ceased to operate properly. Sometimes it didn't operate at all. And broken equipment wasn't the only thing that caused the construction to slow down. Workers were so scared that they walked off the job and never returned. Regardless of what time of the day it was, the ghosts of the construction site were always busy. Nevertheless, one night in particular turned up the horror and two unsuspecting security guards retreated to an experience they would never forget. On a late night in 1987, two security guards were patrolling the construction site when they caught a glimpse of something out of the ordinary. Several children, in clothing from a long-dead era, were laughing and playing in the field where workers reported a similar incident. When the two guards rushed to question the children, the children simply vanished leaving the guards in stunned silence. They checked the area for any signs of the children, but were unable to find even so much as a footprint. As they stood in the field, mystified by what they were experiencing, they became intensely aware that they were being watched. Looking towards the newly constructed constructed Peroid Bridge, a terrifying sight met their eyes. Standing silently on the bridge, Looking down at them was the shadowy figure of a large man in a black robe and hood. His probing, malevolent eyes seemingly staring directly into their souls, causing a visceral feeling of fear. When the guards regained their senses, they jumped into their car and drove to the bridge, never taking their eyes off the strange man. When they pulled up behind him, their fear returned when they realized the lights from their car passed through this heavy robe. The hooded figure vanished, and the guards fled in terror. When they returned to the office, they were met by their supervisor, who could tell the guards were shaken to their cores. Upon hearing their story, they sounded like something out of a spine-chilling horror film. So, their boss called the police. Two police officers were dispatched to the worksite to look into the bizarre matter. They had no doubt the guards had seen something... But ghosts, how absurd. Their skepticism would soon come crashing down around them. Driving out to the site, the two veteran cops turned their car off and sat in silence, hoping to see at least something. After a couple hours, one officer broke the silence with a blood-curdling scream. His partner snapped his head around to see the torso of a man pressed against the window. The officer jumped out of the car to apprehend what he thought was a joker. But when he came around the front of the car, the figure was gone. The two officers were suddenly overcome with an intense feeling of dread, and frightening sounds filled the once quiet night. Convinced something was going on, they returned to the precinct and filed their report. In it, they detailed how their way back they could hear the unmistakable sound of heavy fists banging on the rear of the car. A night of terror had finally come to an end. Since that night in 1987, construction of the bypass came to an end, but the horror continued. Several eyewitnesses came forward with similar stories of ghostly activities along the bypass. Travelers have reported seeing spectral children playing in the field, as well as a phantom monk walking along the road his head bowed in silent prayer. One couple in 1997 feared they ran a pedestrian over when he suddenly appeared in front of their car. When they got out to investigate, they found nothing. No injured person was anywhere to be found. Statistically, Stocksbridge Bypass has the worst record of automobile accidents in the country. While reporting accidents, drivers stated that someone suddenly appeared before their cars, causing them to lose control. Either the ghosts of Stocksbridge Bypass delight in playing pranks on drivers, or perhaps it's a sinister plan to add to their numbers. 
I'm Raquel. This was Ghostwatch. It was a great show, guys. Thanks for tuning in once again. Thank uh, you. Rick Hale, Stephen Lancaster. We had Shane Pittman. We've got more great guests coming. Just keep watching Facebook for all of our shenanigans. That was another thing. Pittman using my word, man. Shenanigans, he yeah. He's using my word, man. But that's I okay. I love that word. That's okay. That's okay. We all have the people we look up to. You know, I don't blame you. But anyways... All right, guys, we will... Why did I look up the... Golly. Anyways, all right, guys, we will see you all next week. (laughs) Fuck me. See you next week. Thanks for watching. Plus, (laughs) I really don't want to be to blame for exposing him to you any longer than necessary. Oh, God. (laughs) Man, he picks on you too much, man. He picks on you way too much. Hey. Hey, Rico. Rico. This is bringing up way too much of my childhood. Record. <laughs> okay, please, please, please get it, get it off, get, get it away. He said, "Screw you, Hale." Crazy. Hey. Yeah, there. 